the number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Your Booked. I'm your book inspector, Daisy Buchanan. We've got a very special live episode coming up with Lou Sanders and Andy Osho. First, I'd love to tell you about the Creative Confidence Clinic, a space for conversations about reading and writing. It's a community I've created for everyone who loves making things and who's looking for a little bit of practical and emotional support along the way. There are essays, book recommendations, masterclass sessions with some amazing experts and more. If you'd like all the bells and whistles of a full subscription, there is an exclusive discount just for your booked listeners. Go to creativeconfidenceclinic.substack.com slash subscribe slash booked to find out how you can join up half price. I'm also about to open up applications for the January 2024 edition of my creative fiction course, Write Like a Reader. I believe that if you can read and love a book, you can write one. If you want next year to be the year you start the novel, email me, creativeconfidenceclinic at gmail.com. And if you'd like a signed and dedicated copy of my latest novel, Limelight, or any of my books, go to themargatebookshop.com and send them a message via the contact page with the details of the inscription you'd like. They deliver nationwide. It would make me so happy to be under your Christmas tree. And here's another gift suggestion I love. At YB Towers, we're big fans of the artist and illustrator Helen Shaddock and her beautiful, bright 2024 calendars. They're now available to purchase. Go to helenshaddock.co.uk for more information. Now to our guests. Lou Sanders and Andy Osho need no introduction. Comedy stars, brilliant authors and podcast alumni. We invited them both to the Margate Bookie and we talked about creativity, confidence and phallic typos. This event was recorded live at the Turner in Margate. Enjoy. This is a live episode of Your Book, so we will be recording. The fabulous Lou Sanders and Andy Osho have been on the podcast before, so we're going to be talking a bit about books and life. I love both of these books so much. They're fantastic. They're so funny and I 
don't know about you, but that is all I want right now. I should say as well that Andy's is a brilliant novel, her second novel. Yes, that's right. Um, Lou's book is a memoir and it is all about, or not all about, but a lot about her time living in Margate and Broadstairs and Thanet. So if you're interested in, I'm going to say, spicy local social history, <laughs> this is absolutely the book for you. And you they might be thinking, she's too young for a memoir. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I packed it in. <laughs> All right, I'm going to start by asking you both about the inspiration behind these books and whether they changed very much between when you sat down to start writing and what we have on the table in front of us. Andy. Well, I mean, this is, this is better than what I thought about to start with. That was a terrible book. No, so, um, so Tough Crowd is about um, a comedian who... Uh, She's sort of at the lower rungs and she really wants to make it. But then she also meets a guy who uh, has kids from a previous relationship. So uh, that's that's the real tough crowd. See what I did there? Um, yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, yeah. But um, so, yeah, so both of, both of those things obviously come from my life. But f like in terms of, in both areas actually, it was more that I was looking for the emotional experience in terms of being a comedian and uh, in terms of being with somebody who's got kids from a previous relationship. So there's not a lot of like autobiographical stuff. Am I answering your question? I'm very perimenopausal at the moment and I sort of, <laughs> I, I hear something and then I just make up what I heard and then answer that question instead of the one that was actually answered. And then I go, where am I? <laughs> that works for me. And you're probably answering questions that are better than my original questions. So okay. have at it. I mean, look, I, I feel like as long as I say something <laughs> and there's not dead air, <laughs> Then, then we're we're good. Can I ask a question? Oh, do it's it's cheeky. It's a bit personal. Uh, are you still with the guy? No. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, so that's why I took. I went to a great pains to make it not that situation. And actually, I've been with a couple of guys uh, who've got kids. I'm not saying I'm a serial <laughs> like dater of guys. Okay, this isn't a good look. But um, but I look at your husband. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, you're right, you are, you're right, lock up your husbands, but, um, so, again, what was the question? <laughs> well, let's talk about relationships, let's because talk about Lou, book. <laughs> you talk oh. about that a lot as well, I'd love to know any romantic advice you would like to give your younger selves, either yourselves, like teenagers or a year ago so I was obsessive about guys and that's in the book as well because I had various addictions very fashionable but I mean <laughs> everyone's got addictions so I don't mean like oh you know I just mean everyone it's where you place them I guess and I was mad on guys from a really young age like when I was 13 I followed a guy um home um actually I do that a couple of times I don't know if they're both in the book and one of them went on holiday and I kept and then did you go end up going on holiday with him no, uh, if only. I kept calling for him when he got back and his brother had to tell me, like, he's not in and he's not interested. I've met him once and I kept, like, knocking around. <laughs> like, I was obscene, like, uh, insane about men. Only up until a few years ago. Uh, so that's cool. <laughs> so, so what happened? How, how did well, you change? Just, oh, God, I've gone very hot. Um, <laughs> very hot. Um, just sort of thought, you can't be doing, you know, it's like, you can't be doing this. My friend was on antidepressants because she's obsessive about men as well. And she went on this certain type of antidepressant and it took away her, like, obsession. So that was quite 
um, useful for her, but I don't really want to. I don't think I need to do that anymore. But um, yeah, now I'm actually really cool about stuff, just really relaxed. <laughs> yeah, anyone else for a quizzy? <laughs> there we go. Well, yeah, so I guess we're all different. Uh, and Andy, I know we have um, you've been on a podcast before. Where we've talked about you know relationships, and I guess you're writing a romantic comedy that a reimagined one. What are the rom coms you've loved? Which ones do you think feel kind of true and relevant and useful, and which ones do you think are just sort of unhelpful, toxic nonsense? Oh, gosh, that's a good question. Um, She'll answer another one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I won't answer that one. I'm going to make one up in my head. I'd say yellow. <laughs> um, so I, I, you know what? I, I think anything where it's messy, I, I connect with much more. I'm not think, I can't think of any books right now, but like I'm thinking of um, the TV show This Is Us where it was very saccharine, but actually things went wrong constantly for people, didn't they? Like, you know, like when Randall and uh, Beth, <laughs> when they were on the rocks, their marriage was on the rocks, and, and I think that sort of, and then when they found their way back to each other, I think that's more beautiful than everything being perfect, there being no obstacles. I don't know if anyone even writes that, really, but um, yeah, the, the more, the more, I mean, I, 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 some writing advice that I got was like, yeah, obviously you want to put your characters into difficulties and be that emotional or physical. You want them to go through something. And so the more challenges they face, that brings out who somebody is and the more the uh, reader will um, engage with them and, and connect with them. So in this, you know, like she falls for a guy, he doesn't even tell her that she's got, he's got kids. So then that's a thing to overcome and just constantly putting them in difficult situations. But yeah, I don't know if there's, there's like specific types of romance. If it's just romance, not, it's not for me. If it's a comedy as well, that, that I do. Cause I think life is really funny. And so if it's just pure romance, I'm like, it's never like that though, is it? It's never like that dreamy and sort of, you know. It is. He's probably like really awful guy. Like if he's taking you to Paris and buying you flowers week one or two. Alarm bells. Yeah, <laughs> it's seriously, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's be I think that's why I'm single. I'm just like really suspicious of like nice behavior no, but from like guys. It's not like it's not an instant. Oh, do you watch my mum, your dad? So good. It's, oh, yeah. oh my God, it's good. <laughs> and the woman in that, she's lovely, but she, they were both went, these two women both turned down a really nice guy, Martin M, uh, for Martin H, or the other way around, anyway. And going slightly off topic here, but um, they went for this asshole from Ibiza. Oh. And then one of, the, and the woman was like, oh, I just feel this like, strong connection, like it's really strong and everything. And he's like, okay, but we have just been on the one date. So, you know, <laughs> we were just saying, wind your neck back in. That is trauma linking yes. to, tra that is not like attraction. Yeah. It's something else going on. But um, anyway. I digress, but interesting. Is there romance in your book? I mean, apart um, from the following people home. Right at the end, uh, there's an ended romance, <laughs> if anyone's interested. <laughs> but this sort of happy ending. But you learn to love yourself, Lou. Yeah. <laughs> great. I'm great company. <laughs> no, it is nice. I, I did meet someone who was a bit younger, and then, and it was a lovely relationship, but you, you know... It's sort of what I have a go at the guys for, sort of dating someone 16 years younger. I'm like, oh, cliche. And then um, I went and did it. I thought, actually, it's quite cool. 
I can see why they like but it. It doesn't, it doesn't last. <laughs> oh, okay. He skateboarded off. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> he did. Oh, you like, careful! <laughs> Do you want your coat? Are you cold? <laughs> You won't feel the benefit. <laughs> no, I'm in, I'm in the market of a nice 40-year-old now. Yeah. I thought I'll go up to 45. Yeah. yeah. I'll top out at 60. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Well, because I'm 50, so I think that's kind of reasonable. Do you well, mean? I'm like 44, but you're not seeing me go much older than 45. <laughs> <laughs> I just want a man who's at home on a trampoline. <laughs> so I mean, George Clooney oh, 60, you meant, like, not now. Like you want a man who is right now in his home on a trampoline? No, he doesn't have to be on a trampoline. Right now, but I, I just, I, I just want a man who can isn't isn't scared of a trampoline. What is what is it about a, a man with a good pelvic floor? Well, it's a trampoline. It doesn't have to be a trampoline. It's a it's a metaphor for um, you know, he's his spontaneity joint, and agility. Spontaneity, agility. Thank you. Right. Uh, his joints are in fine working order. <laughs> yeah. You know. So it's a, right. It's not li- the literal trampoline. It's what no, it represents. Yeah. Yeah. But right. It's trampoline presenting. <laughs> Lou, something I wanted to ask you about your book, which is a memoir. When you were writing, were there any stories or anecdotes that came up that you'd forgotten that kind of bubbled to the surface that the writing process stirred up? Yeah, um, quite a few actually, because my memory is quite obliterated from the drinking. But, um, but, um, well, there was one where, because I used to be in this band called Jeff Leopard, and um, there was one where we stole this walkie-talkie off this security guard because he, he was being, I mean, we were in the wrong and I would never do it now, but he was also being a bit of an arsehole. And we were the bigger arseholes. Anyway, we stole this walkie-talkie and then we were phoning in going, Dave, Dave, <laughs> there's a real fit guy on gate eight and stuff like that. And um, Dave, did you remember your protein shakes? Dave, I just murdered someone. That kind of thing. And we like ran onto the stage. It was at this festival and we got thrown out of the gig, anyway, blah, blah, blah. I forgot loads of details of that, but I was messaging Jeff Leopard to see whether they minded me putting the story in. And they were like, there's so many details you've forgotten. <laughs> and then they told me that I, the whole reason it started is because I didn't bring a towel with me at the, to the festival. And my friend Sally had a towel and she said, she, I could have a towel if I rugby tackled the security guards. <laughs> <laughs> So I did. Um, not proud, but um, that was a different a different time. I wouldn't do that now, obviously. I'm very spiritual. Um, but yeah, it's the details like that that I forgot. So, and it's never really. I guess any story, any biography is, is your. I did be very clear that this is my side of the story, and it's my kind of feelings along the way. But I guess other people will have their own take on it. Thank you so much. That was a really interesting and thoughtful answer. And like, buy it for Jeff Leopard alone. Because I was just thinking about that story this morning, weirdly, in the, the town, the walkie-talkie. Um, Andy, I'd love to know about the details of your stand-up career that found their way into Tough Crowd. And also maybe the parts that didn't. Because I bet there's a lot of stuff that when you're working the circuit that, you know, we civilians would, would not believe. <laughs> It's, it's, it's probably not very interesting either as well because I got quite technical with it at one point and wanted, not technical, but like I just wanted to put a lot of details in that my editor was like, you don't, you don't need that. You don't, you don't need to talk about the dynamic in the green room. And do, do you know what I mean? It, it, it is, but it, it would be interesting in a book about comedy, but this is about a woman falling in love, then meeting kids. You know what I mean? So it's just would too much do, detail like, for this. Would you do an extended fan version? Because I want to read that book. <laughs> where, it, where, there's, where there's no romance, and it is literally just all set in a green room. Um, a bit like, did you read um, Romantic Comedy by Curtis Sittenfeld? 
No, I did I not. I loved it. It's really, really fun. But it's sort of set in like an imaginary Saturday Night Live. And then there's a portion of the book where it's romantic emails and then the love story. And I really just wanted 90,000 words of like her fake SNL. I didn't really, really? want that. It was very good. It was compelling. Uh-huh, the, uh-huh. the guy was hot, but... Dolly Alderton's book is a lot about comedy, isn't it? Because she went out with a comedian. Mm-hmm. And so she's detailed quite a lot about... Well, the tragedy of, of stand-up comedy, really. Mm. The sort of, you know, the power play and the sort of weird... Yeah, so that uh, that was interesting. But I wonder if it was just interesting for me because I sort of recognised that world or, or other people would be... Yeah, I, I suppose it was a balance, really, of, like, enough to propel the story and ground it, but not so much that it becomes a sort of technical reference book yeah. <laughs> of, like, how stand-up comedy works. In terms of, here's a question I did remember, of like what's from my, yeah, so, so the, oh, I can't say that, that's at the end. Um, (laughs) So she, she dies a couple of times on stage. And I know this will never have happened to you, but for me, can't can't really, but yeah, the experience of of an onstage death is, is quite unique. And so I was able to plot that in very specific details of the quiet that permeates the room and it's almost like the audience as a hive mind decide they fucking hate you and you know what I mean like all those sorts of things and I really enjoyed sort of because when when you die it's a thing you don't want to have happen and then when it does happen it's like getting into a warm bath in a way that's like slightly not warm enough <laughs> yeah uh, that's how I felt it's just like actually it's not terrible i'm in it now just if you're listening to this in a future episode of your but lou has turned to andy very slowly and made the most extraordinary face of disbelief i I hate dying so much i mean i wouldn't want it regularly but like the times it's happened it's just been like i'm okay (laughs) i'm okay I mean, afterwards, I've sort of, you know, wanted to kill myself. But, like, at the time, can I when it's happening... You... Sorry to interrupt. No, no, it's fine. It's your podcast here. Can I... Because <laughs> I'm interested. Can either of you bear to tell me about some of the worst times? Or is that just too traumatic? Do you want me no, to... No, it's funny now, because it's, it's yeah, time has passed. It's in the past. I mean, I did a gig on top of the O2. Not in the O2. Uh, just on top of it. Um, so, was it, was it 20,000 people? No, it's 25 people. Um... <laughs> And they didn't, I said, I just knew that they wouldn't get a microphone or a PA system oh. that worked. I just, I just, they, so you climb up the, this is the experience for people, right? They pay too much for a ticket, something like £40 for a ticket. So I'm stressed out because £40 gets you, you climb up with a harness, you get to the top, it's me. <laughs> it's me, a woman shaking her head, quite right too. <laughs> It's me and a warm glass of champagne or orange juice. And I'm sort of shouting on a rooftop in the drizzling rain. Do you want some chat up lines? And the the microphone doesn't work, so I look insane. Then they said to me, oh, it was four days of gigs. And they said, on one of the days, the Queen died. And they, so the 25 people went down to 12. Who the hell isn't turning up to a 40 pound gig because the Queen died? Get over it. There. <laughs> 12 people on a roof, no mic still. Yeah. So don't, don't say the Queen's died. I said, I think they'll know. <laughs> and, then, and then I'm thinking, they've not got me. They were lovely people, but get a working microphone. You're the O2. On the last day, they hired a mic and they were so pleased with themselves. They, they were like, 
we've hired in a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Yeah. But anyway, I, so I started the gig by saying, say what you want about the Queen. Um, I've been a lot hornier since she died. <laughs> so one all, I guess. <laughs> but no, God, God save the monarchy, obviously. Um, yeah. Andy, the horny for the dead queen. No, no I've got nothing on that. I mean, that's the that's Chris William that's or, or Harry. William or Harry. I mean, Harry a little bit, but not much. Um, <laughs> so I, I, I suppose I very on Harry and then off him quite dramatically. Why? I think he's mad. He's just like he needs he needs more therapy. He had some, mm. then he stopped because he probably thought he was all right. Just needs a little bit more. Oh, yeah. they just killed his mother. So of course. Yeah. No, I mean, sure. <laughs> A silence. <laughs> I mean, Put your like hands d- up if you think Princess Diana was bumped off. This is sort of fun Can we yeah. participate in this? Of course yeah. she was bumped yeah. off. Get, yeah. her, get real. Yeah. Of course she was. Yeah. Some people shaking their head, but nodding their head, but scared to put their hands up. Well, well, well. <laughs> we are in the conspiracy theory portion of the <laughs> podcast. Obviously, right. cut that out because I do want to do raw performance. Yeah. <laughs> Funny yeah. enough, I wanted to get this book to Camilla, you know, because obviously stepkids can be. I mean, it's a challenge, isn't it? Because they had me do this Queen's Consort, um, you know, whatever book book club thing. It's Queen now, obviously. Oh, the Queen's the reading room. Never give up your dreams, babes. Yeah, yeah, the Queen's reading room. And so, and I thought it'd be funny if, like, because I know stepkids can be difficult. There you go, babes. But yeah, I wasn't allowed near her. Yeah. Well, I've I've done a a few things with uh, with Mills, so I'll I'll, I'll try and make it happen. Okay. I mean, I was on the. I had to do it on the internet. I think they knew what I was up to, so Mm -hmm. I had to record my my thing on the internet and send it in. Like a competition winner. Well, like it was. Um, they they wanted me to read an excerpt from a uh, color purple actually, and then so um, yeah. Well, for this, I, not for, not from your book. No, actually, I never even clocked that. You're right. <laughs> I'm yeah. so confused. Someone else's book the that's qu- good. That's the, qu- the, the Queen's got a book club. Yeah, it's massive. Can you retract everything I said about the monarchy? <laughs> <laughs> Get this to them. A lot of relatable themes. <laughs> she was mad on boys when yeah, she was younger, she was, wasn't she? Yeah. They were. Did you know? Yeah. I should really she get back to asking you proper questions, but you she, know that Camilla and her siblings were known as the Sexy Shants. Woo. What? Because that, that was their surname. What? She was... Was she a, sh- a Shand? Yeah. Really? But isn't that... Di- in Diana's family, is it, aren't there? And it's the same people. Wow. What? <laughs> Can we get Tina Brown on the podcast? Yes, they're Spencers. Spencer. Spencer. But like her yeah. mum or something. Diana's mum was a shand. Anyway, this will get cut. Ooh. So <laughs> what do you want to ask us about books? They are let, me, uh, let me get back yeah, on track because I'm not books. doing so good. I'm having too nice a time. Um, sorry. <laughs> My bad. You've given me your perimenopause. Yes, it's catching. It is contagious. <laughs> I wanted to know what makes you both laugh the most. Lou Sanders. Does, does Lou Sanders make you laugh? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Go on. No, what makes me laugh? Uh, Sarah Silverman I really like. And she's very sort of... I love the way she thinks like politically and she's like got good, really good morals. Like I really like her. Uh, mor- <laughs> good morals make me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I... Yeah, just stupid stuff, I think. Really, really stupid stuff, which you don't know why it's funny. Like, sometimes my mum sends me um, WhatsApp messages, and they're bonkers, but I really like them. Like, yeah, she, yeah, she's quite old now, but she's just 
mad. Like she sent my brother a text saying, "What's up, pussycat?" I <laughs> 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 thought it was really funny. Um, anyway, yeah, I think the same stuff that happens like naturally enough. I don't watch stand up anymore, like at all. Um, so I don't watch sitcoms either. I really like dramas. So I think uh, the things that really make me laugh is like stupid puppy videos. Do you know what I mean? Like kittens doing silly things. Although on the text front, my, my brother, who's quite, he's very sort of put together and he's an architect and he's all very serious. He's in a, like all a group, like New Year's message. This is going to be, it's like 2016 or something. This is going to be the best year ever. And then he accidentally, I don't know how it happened, but he sent another text immediately afterwards saying, I'm, I'm, in, Bar I'm in Barbados eating a penis. <laughs> did autocorrect do that or what how how did you sit on your phone that that's what happened if, but if i was in barbados eating a penis it would be the best year ever <laughs> but was he not eating in, it though like, well, no, like, no, nibbling. <laughs> but was he not in barbados he, not only was he not in barbados he was also not eating a penis <laughs> worst year ever in my book <laughs> But that sort of thing does tickle me. And I sort of, I screen grabbed it because he immediately messaged us. was going, no, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> and so I, every now and again, I just look at this. What, what if he was doing some New Year manifesting? What if he was saying, this is what I want to be doing this time in a year? Right. You, if you see it, you can believe it. Yeah. yeah. Whatever, this yeah. makes mine sound really tame because the thing that really made me laugh was reported by my sister that my six-year-old nephew overheard the Queen song don't stop me now. And apparently Arthur sort of looked into the distance and said quite sadly, I used to feel like that man once. <laughs> oh my God. God. That's so sweet. <laughs> That's so kids are, kids, hey, kids are funny. <laughs> yeah, always kids. And I did, videos I, of kids. There was a video that made me laugh so much about the, uh, just on Instagram of this guy like slipping over in the mud and then he just couldn't get up and he just kept, <laughs> he, he was really laughing and his friends were laughing. Did you see the same one? It was so funny. No one could describe, even though we're, we're authors, of course. He was just slipping around and then he'd get a purchase, get up and then he'd go down again and then <laughs> he said, Mum, we're going to have to go home. <laughs> I'm interested in how that affects your creative imagination. And I'm interested in the fact that you don't sort of choose to watch comedy. Mm. And did has, has comedy ruined comedy for you? Um, yeah, maybe <laughs> a little bit. I mean... But sitcoms. So. Yeah, I just, I don't know what it is about sitcoms. Like, I can watch Friends or something, but I wouldn't, like, seek it out anymore. But, yeah, I just, I don't find it, you know, like, we watch stuff to sort of, uh, you know, vanish into that world or whatever, or read a book because we want to disappear into it. I disappear into dramas way more than I do with comics. Like, I think it's because I know the mechanics, and I'm like, yeah, 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 I get it, and then some cute thing's going to happen, and then it's going to be some reveal or whatever. But with drama, I feel like I'm really genuinely like, what is going to happen next? I'm sort of surprised constantly, whereas comedy doesn't surprise me anymore. And also, I think one of the reasons that I stopped doing stand-up is because I was having slightly smarter thoughts than I could make funny. <laughs> so, um, I, and I didn't, and, and it felt weird to go on stage and talk about things that I thought were dumb. And, you know, they were very funny. I'm not saying that they were dumb, but that I was not... Um, 
I was there was a disconnect basically and so I think that made me not want to do stand up and not really want to engage in comedy so much however the jokes did still keep coming they come to your mind like I feel like creative ideas are like these little entities that kind of want to be birthed and so they're looking for the place where can I exist and so just because you stop doing stand-up doesn't mean the jokes aren't going to still sort of flutter around your head and just go please let me exist through you so 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 the books were a good place to put them so that they got to be and you got to combine those sort of you know the, the deeper thoughts and the bigger ideas with the with the jokes that were yeah, still yeah that's true actually because up. yeah because like I, I mean you know in asking for a friend it, it, it is uh, on the surface superficially about dating and stuff but it's actually a lot about how we relate to our parents and our parents history and um you know uh, did you say daddy traumas earlier or something or daddy issues or something like I that I think you just looked at me and thought probably <laughs> yeah you look the sort so <laughs> no but I mean you know what I mean like so I want to deal with that and, and in this you know this whole blended family thing this people can go through some really tough times with it and so I wanted to make it relatable funny um but people be able to see themselves in that and enjoy enjoy the ride as well. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We'll be back to Lou and Andy soon, but now it's time for my Steal of the Week. I've chosen I Am Not Ashamed by Barbara Payton. This is the memoir of a forgotten Hollywood star. Barbara was briefly famous, then notorious, then became destitute, bouncing between America and Mexico, and using sex, drugs and poetry to find and lose her way. It's been described as an anti-memoir. It's about desperation and misery, but it's stitched with joy, and there's lots of turbulence. I really love this book and I love that it's a record of an extraordinary woman who hasn't been remembered, who deserves to be remembered. I Am Not Ashamed is published by Spurl Editions and out now. Now, back to Lou and Andy. And Lou, I'd love to know about writing and sort of how, because I understand that, you know, with writing comedy, it's talking comedy, the, the writing that you're doing is sort of very much kind of live and working out what works and adjusting things and developing things and did it feel as though sort of actually sitting down to write did that feel dramatically different or have you always written in both ways yeah I didn't set out to do like a comedy book but I always try and make some stuff funny but I wanted to do a deeper thing that I wouldn't perhaps do so much in my stand-up so I wanted to write stuff about again like universal themes that sort of help people and what it is to be a woman and I wrote the book I wanted it to be sort of what you might give your like goddaughter 
or something sort of navigating yeah navigating life with like low self-esteem when you're little and then and so I wanted it to be helpful for women and I do think it was and I've had loads of nice messages from women saying like it's really helped them and like got rid of some of their shame and I also get messages from men which I tend to ignore (laughs) (laughs) but I do yeah I think it's nice to write stuff that yeah like it's going to connect with people but then I did try and make it funny as well so hopefully it's funny because I think it's light and shade like life isn't it it's you know I think that's you know what makes both of them feel so real in different ways because it, you know they're like people are funny and funny things happen and it's like we were talking about that laugh at funerals a lot and it's a release isn't mm. it it's very related to Oh, I had, um, I was at a funeral and uh, we were crying with laughter because uh, the, one of the... Your brother was eating... Because my brother was in Barbados eating a penis. And um, so, so what happened that's is... How, that's, how we, that's how we went in the end. <laughs> yeah, opened the casket and there he was. He, he, um, he choked. <laughs> choked on a penis. Um, that's the way I'd want to go. <laughs> <laughs> with it like right at the back of your throat so um no because what happened was there was uh it's a very very sad funeral because it always is when it's somebody young and mm-hmm. um and she was lovely and uh the <laughs> one of her neighbors so people came up and they gave the eulogies and stuff and, and they were all very beautiful and one of her neighbors was saying how how great she was to live next door to and she said you know i would go over there and help her with her garden and she would come over and trim my bush <laughs> and and uh, <laughs> we, we just it was fine at the time but afterwards in the car when we had to go to the wake me and some friends we were just like trim that <laughs> and you're right it's a total release because it wasn't that funny but it kind of was because it was a funeral and the, the emotions are so heightened so yeah Trim her bush. That that's what that's what it's, got us. It is. It's like it's, uh, laughing and crying. It's like fear and excitement. Mm. They're also closely linked. Mm-hmm. As long as you're feeling something, I guess. It's breath a lot of times. Is is what it is. That's the difference. Is um you know f- that anxiety is excitement minus breath. So wow, I yeah. love that. Yeah. So hang on, you just got to breathe. Yes, always. Oh. Yeah, people forget how to breathe, and that, that sounds silly, but like we breathe so superficially, we only breathe to here, and we've got to breathe into our guts, and when we do, we stay grounded, and everything's okay, oh. and it's excitement rather than anxiety. Let's all have a nice big breath yeah. now. Yeah, yeah I think that's right. <sighs> oh, that's lovely. Yeah. It does feel yeah. better. It does. It really does. It's, it's magic. <sighs> yeah, anything else? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just do some breathing yeah. for the, the rest of the hour. Um, in terms of what makes you feel creative and what makes you feel excited to come up with ideas, are there any creative elements of sort of your your process that might surprise us? I like being in love and that makes me really creative because you feel all excited and stuff. Some people get creative from rejection. I'm sure Sarah Pascoe said that to me once. Mm. She was like, if someone rejects her, she's like, right, I'm going to show you. But um, I'm the opposite, which is really bad because I think I get rejected more than I get. Oh. <laughs> more than I fall in love, you know? But um, <coughs> then sometimes it just comes to you, don't, doesn't it? Like, I suppose a walk in the park is supposed to be good for it. I don't know. But I think with friends, when you're just messing about, I think that's the best time. Yeah. It's almost like you have to be distracted, don't you? Like, mm. to be able to, to let it in. I do find, like, with um, 
as I'm going, I'm, I'm learning that, uh, you know, what works for me and everybody has their own process and anyone that claims to know that there's a way to do something creative is, is not telling the truth. But um, I do like letting those moments of inspiration in and, you know, almost having aha moments and trusting the characters to tell you who they are. That's a very exciting thing to have happen. Because I remember Tarantino talking about with, particularly with um, uh, Pulp Fiction, that he spent some time with Jules and Vincent, just walked around with them for two months. Two months of having them natter in his ear about, you know, yeah. quarter pounders with cheese. Always and stuff going like that. for burgers. <laughs> yeah, about going for foreign burgers. Um, but but that, that, that sort of thing, it, it stays with you as a writer and you think, oh, so maybe if I hang out with these people, they'll let me know. Because so, sometimes you can tell when um, a writer is sort of marionetting their, pup, their, their characters rather than that they're living and breathing sort of thing. So um, I, I just really live for the aha moments, which is coming through me rather than it's, it's not of me sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. No, I know what you mean, and I'm sure we've got uh, writers here and people who are, you know, working on things and interested in exploring that. But it, it is weird and lovely because when it happens, I f- almost I feel like I'm I'm just the, you know, the typewriter, or they've popped up mm. and they're bossing me about, and they know exactly what they want to say, and yeah. I'm like, fine, I'll just listen to you and let you get on and try and transcribe it, and it releases a bit of responsibility because you think oh it, it's kind of not on me to like to make it good or they've just got to kind of let them live and give them the things they deserve yeah yeah exactly that I'm, I'm uh, in the new book that I'm working on there's a character who's a builder called Mick okay fine um but he um he's he's taken the piss out of like where his kid lives he's mixed about 50 I'd say and um he his kid his son lives in a place pretty similar to Walthamstow, which is where I live, bit poncy, little bit East End still. And every time I walk around uh, Walthamstow, I sort of see it through Mick's eyes. And he's like, far too many cockapoos. You know what I mean? Like, and so, and it's really fun to like look at Walthamstow, which, you know, I love because of all the bakeries and all the sourdough you can get. And Mick's like, too much bubble tea for my liking. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, so it's really fun. Lou, I know you are about to be on an upcoming series of Now. This is where I'm panicking because I want to say Dancing with the Stars on Ice. I think, I think are you we, on ice? I think we call it Dancing on Ice. I'm terrible. Everyone thought I was be really good because I've done roller skating. So I have got like, I'm very, he said you're very powerful like speed wise, but it is rhino on ice. It's terrible. No, it's really bad. Like, you have to be a dancer, like it's all about, I got kicked out of ballet and it's all like, um, you got kicked out of so many things. Yeah, <laughs> but ballet was, I was like eight. It was like at Paige Mason School of Dance and Drama, relay. <laughs> she said, um, we think Louise would be um, better suited to drama. <laughs> Damn straight bitch. But um, yeah, it's really hard. And it's like, you've got to keep this leg here and this leg there and then your body upright. And it's, it doesn't come naturally to me at all. Oh, wow. It's really, really hard. But um, I mean, boohoo in a way, but it's really fun. And yeah, I'm going to take ballet lessons, adult ballet lessons. Has the show started yet? Is it on TV yet? No, training started. Okay. Um, but yeah, I haven't met my dance partner yet. It's just a local trainer. And then, um, yeah, it starts 
Yeah, January is the live show. Please, can you all vote for me? Because um, they don't like women. A woman hasn't won in about 15 years. <gasps> what? Yeah. It is our feminist duty to vote for Lou. And That's crazy. It, but uh, if you look at the... In- I mean, don't. But if you look at the Instagram Dancing on Ice account, the men get like... Um, I do really love men. Sorry. L- l- lovely to see you. And <laughs> I, do, I do. I have worked through my burning resentment, actually. And... Um, but the men get hardly any negative comments and all the women, it's really? like, even like Hannah from S Club 7, they were like, oh, she's not going on a bloody tour, she, she, she can do dancing on ice. So why do you care, Karen? You're 70 and you're not going to see, you know. But a lot of the time it's women Gosh. hating on other women. It's yeah. so bizarre. It's like um, they've swallowed the pill or something. It's like internalised mm. misogyny. Mm. And it's a lot of older women who obviously have not got power in society, so they're taking out on... Or they think they don't. They, don't, they, they think do, they don't, but they, yeah. I remember once seeing Louise Redknapp, you know, saying, like, oh, I've got new skin cream or I'm wearing these nice jeans. And this comment, it was like a full-on essay from someone saying, how could you break up with lovely Jamie Redknapp, who is lovely. Real, like, unsolicited yeah. marriage counselling. Honestly, under Greg Rutherford, it's... I mean, he is lovely. He's so nice. But under his, it's all like, well, he appears to be such a lovely family man. And then <laughs> under under Claire Sweeney, who is a national icon and a treasure, as far as I'm concerned. Claire Sweeney, how can you not like Claire Sweeney? It's like, oh, well, at least she won't be acting in something for a while. It's like, oh, what are you yes. talking about? Yeah. But um, it's, it's like with so Will Smith and uh, Jada Pinkett. Like she, I was at a thing last night, and um, it was Kerry Washington. Oh, she's lovely. And then um, the the guy at the beginning of the show was announcing other people that are going to be reading from their books, and it was like we've got this person and George the poet and da 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 and Jada Pinkett Smith, and everyone's like, <laughs> like oh, no she's one's here. Isn't yeah. she here in this book thing? Jada, what? <laughs> What? No, it no. We can it's manifest one, no, her. it's one in London. I've got confused. That's, the, that's probably the one. That is probably yeah, the one on the South Bank. Yeah, but the, the the sound in the room was like. And then three months ago or three weeks ago, that wouldn't have been the noise that people. But for some reason, people are blaming Jada for the things that are going wrong, and I can't quite figure not, that it's, out. Not, she's not blaming Fraser. Is she? She's not what? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> yeah. So so women do like I don't know what it is, and it's not necessary. And it, this was a predominantly female mm, yeah, audience as well. This thing. wasn't men doing each thing. other. It's yeah. so bad. It's yeah. so bad. But, you know, I always always think it's like being a kid at school, and I was you know kids loving football and knowing nothing about football. And if you say that, at, I mean like this is showing my age because apparently they're not they're not doing so good now. But when I was um, in my first youth, man you was the team the team to support and if you like man you you wouldn't get your head kicked in and i think that's what the patriarchy is oh god yeah mm. yeah <laughs> yeah you heard it here first <laughs> <laughs> but, we, but look what what happened to manchester united will happen to the patriarchy yeah but cat side to bring it back to books margaret atwood cat side you, you, you remember um that was about like all the girls like bullied each other because at home they didn't like they were being bullied by their brothers or dads or whatever. I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I, I mean, definitely it must be an internalization of something. Yeah. You pretty much said it, so it, there, there's that. But it, it, but but then also we can't categorize all women in that way because no. women are very supportive lovely, and like lovely babes right here, yeah. <laughs> amazing babes right here who will be voting for Lou and buying these you fabulous do get books. Three free them votes signed. online, okay? <laughs> yeah. but I did want to know whether you felt your brain working or you're feeling your brain working differently with the training and if there's you're feeling that body brain link it's not really well it's it's so i think i'm dyspraxic so it's so (laughs) we've all got something haven't we (laughs) um so it's so hard to sort of follow what he's saying it's not some people are natural at it adele roberts lovely she's great at the um but it's like you're doing two 
like really difficult disciplines because you're dancing, but you're also skating as well. Like that's not a small thing. Yeah, it's not dancing what I'm doing. But yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm voting for you. But it is fun. I feel I feel lucky to do it anyway. Um, I've just realised that we have 10 minutes less than I thought, so I'm going to go very quickly to questions, and I'm sure there are loads. Does anyone have anything they'd like to ask Andy and Lou? Hello, in the front. Um, just wanted to ask about the writing process, like whether, like how you both approach it. Is it something that you like love the whole time? Is it hard work? I think you have to just sit and do it, like Neil Gaiman says. Um, so, a really clever thing, but basically sit down and do it. But apply bum to chair that you just yeah. got to uh, like, stay oh, sat. You know, some people say they're creative, you know, creativity comes to them, but it comes to them a lot more if they're sitting down giving it the space. And then you can't worry about the first draft, just sh sort of for a better, for want of a better phrase, shit through it and don't judge yourself. And then you can go back and sort of, my first draft of this was terrible and I sort of knew but then we fixed it by going chronologically. So it was, I was doing different chapters, like love, forgiveness, death, but it's quite heavy and it was like not enough fun in it. And I sent it off and then the publisher was like, yeah, let's do it chronologically. And it made so much difference. Mm -hmm. So some, at some point it will click, but if you just get everything down on the page, it's like an outpouring from your soul. So it can't go wrong. It can just be changed, you know. I think one of the challenges with writing is that the perfect version of whatever it is you're trying to create exists in your head and this is the disconnect uh, that causes the procrastination is trying to get that onto the page mm -hmm. and believing that the first attempt at doing that should be exactly how it is in your head perfect and it won't be. It's like Lou said, I mean I think uh, Ava DuVernay calls it a vomit draft in terms of screenwriting as you black this thing out. But the purpose of the first draft, as somebody else said, is just to exist. It's not to do any other purpose, it's not for any other purpose other than just to be. And just to say, to speak to, you know, what you were asking about doubts all the time. Like the fir my first book, I was thinking, uh, I talked to my agent about like, how can we, how can I give the advance back? Is that a thing that can be done? <laughs> like I, I legitimately had that conversation. It's like, it's not too bad. All right, maybe I'll have sandwiches for lunch for a few months and then, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, I, well, I was, I was gonna give it back because I was like, I can't do this, it's too much. And you are, you are constantly, it's just a constant battle between doubt and doing. And, and you just have to win every day and, some, and accept that some days you actually won't win and that some days doubt and Haribo's will win. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say that again because I loved it so much, a constant battle between doubt and doing that is yes, really writing encapsulated. Thank yeah, you, Andy. Yeah, yeah. That was a really brilliant question. Thank you so much. Um, do we have any other questions? Hello. Lou, would you ever write a novel? And Andy, I could not... Like, Apologies if you have written a memoir already, but would you write a memoir? Would you oh, that's a great question. And yes, please, I would like you both to do both of those things. I'd, I'd love a Lou Sanders novel. I think that would be like really oh. cool. Yeah, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it, do it. I didn't think I wanted to, but then now there's been a bit more distance between this book because it's hard writing a book. It's actually quite hard. <laughs> I mean, then I actually would do one day maybe if I lived on a farm or something at some point yeah maybe if I lived on if I lived on a farm and had a bit of time <laughs> then maybe I would yeah you will yeah. um I, I, an idea will come and it'll just bother you like a sort of a buzzing something around your but ear then and then why you're... can't it be a film 
It could, <laughs> you write the book and then they'll make a film and then oh, you'll okay. sell loads of books. Right, right, okay. Yeah. Not being cynical or anything, but <laughs> um, yes, I'd love to write a different, uh, I don't know about memoirs. I don't know if I've had an interesting enough life. I think I'd have to spin some things out <laughs> to make them interesting. But, um, oh, but I really want the, the nerdy comedy stuff, desperately. I long yeah, for it. I mean, I suppose, uh, yeah. You know what? I read Will Smith's book, N- not that I've sort of, you know, I've got a thing about <laughs> those guys, but like his book is really good. And um, Oprah said it's the best memoir she's ever read. Um, oh Will God. Smith didn't write it though, like Mark Manson wrote it, oh. but um, oh, he says he wrote it. But um, his book is almost a little bit sort of self-help, a little bit like, you know, entertainment history. It's a really great read. And he basically shares what he's learned along the way. So it's it's actually, so I'd love to write, didn't I say this like the last yeah. time? That I, yeah, that I would love to write something like that that's a little bit like, yeah, it, 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 there's one thing I know for sure, it's this. And it's because this happened to me. Yeah. I'd love to write a book that was like yeah. that. Did I feel like maybe I thought, I've just had the best idea. And I think, because when Andy was on the Your Book podcast, we possibly talked about it before, but that I would love you to write like a big magic book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- that's true. Because like, cause I have this creativity podcast and, and, I wrote, and I wrote it, I created it because I feel like when you're, when you're endeavouring to be creative or to create a project or something, there's so many things that get in the way that I just wanted to speak using my whatever knowledge I've got from the journey that I've been on to reassure people or just to give them a bit of context or like I did a podcast about procrastination and like I had to do my little bit of research as well finding out that there's different types of procrastination or confidence or discipline or do you know what I mean I had a um a uh, what are they called uh, an intimacy coordinator come and do uh, an, an episode where she talks about the things that people have to think about if they're actors on set and you know having to do like love scenes sex scenes or whatever so I just wanted it to be a resource for creatives. And I think I, that's something that I would like to turn into a book. Okay. Yeah. Well, I would love that book so much. So, Rosie, oh, Rosie, Rosie. hello. Because Lou and Daisy have both been on my podcast, The Breakout Monologues, and I'm obsessed with love. And Lou, you said about if you are really obsessed with someone after one date, then that's trauma bonding. But I just thought, isn't everything that we're sold about love all about you knowing I think it's to do with holding yourself and holding your own power and not trying to take their power, not trying to take energy from them. Um, like my craniosacral guy explained it when I was obsessed with this guy years ago. He was like, that can't be a relationship because you're like this, there's two pillars and the bridge will fall down. It has to be like this yeah. and then there's sort of space. So it's like about not losing yourself, like thinking someone's brilliant but not crumbling if it doesn't happen. So it's like I can live my life happily like and be okay without this other person but what an addition they would be if it works out i guess i wonder if the question we should ask ourselves is do i want to go out with them or do i want to be in their cult and if it's the latter that's trauma bonding yeah yeah cults 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 cults. (laughs) (laughs) oh come on write a cult novel you know it would be brilliant oh i'd love it All right, uh, Rosie, thank you for that fabulous question. We're all going to be over there signing books. You should absolutely all read these books. They're so good. Christmas is coming as well. Um, These are delightful for you and for family and friends. And I think for the... um, 
if you're the cool aunts and uncles, these are great because they're so, they're good kind of knowing gifts. They're really kind, they're compassionate, they're funny, and they're a little bit naughty and edgy and they will raise your stock. So can I have the most enormous round of applause for Lou and Andy? Huge thanks to Lou and Andy. What's That Lady Doing and Tough Crowd are both out now. Go to margatebookie.com to find out more about our lovely local lit fest. Huge thanks to the bookie team for making this possible. Your Booked is produced by Dale Shaw for New Alaska and hosted by Acast. It's created by Dale Shaw and me, Daisy Buchanan. You can find us and follow us on social media at Booked, and we're so grateful to everyone who gives us a five-star review for helping people to discover the podcast and their new favourite book. Finally, I leave you with this from David Hockney. The moment you cheat for the sake of beauty, you know you're an artist. See you next time. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. It's time for another season of The Palmetto Porch, an original podcast from Discover South Carolina. I'm Devin Whitmire. Join me as I get to the heart of what makes South Carolina such a great place to visit by speaking to the locals who make it so special. Premiering December 5th, find The Palmetto Porch wherever you get your podcasts. And for more information about our show, visit scpalmettoporch.com.